A new season of Bridgerton is here. And with it, a new season of Bridgerton, the official podcast. I'm your host, Gabby Collins. And this season, we are bringing fans even deeper into the ton. Watch season three of the Shondaland series on Netflix. Then fall in love all over again by listening to Bridgerton, the official podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe to catch a new episode every Thursday. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher, back with another season of the global number one podcast, The Girlfriends. Last time, we investigated the murder of Gail Katz. This time, we're uncovering the identity of the woman who was buried in Gail's grave for a decade before she disappeared. Join me and the rest of the club as we tell her story. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Let's just keep a real straight shot with no chaser. I'm gonna get a little bit rough. I'm here for those who really believed in the American process. All of us. Straight shot, no chaser. With your girl Tesla Figaro on the Black Effect Podcast Network. What's happening, everybody? This is your girl Tesla Figaro, the host of Straight Shot, No Chaser on the Black Effect Podcast Network on iHeartRadio. I have a good, I don't know if I want to say friend. Should I say friend? Because I don't I don't know about if you want to be associated with me in that way, but <laughs> <laughs> a good a good ally, uh politician in the struggle and the fight for black liberation. I try to be careful because I never want my words to hurt those who are elected, but a good brother uh, who is elected uh, as vice mayor of Tamarack, Florida, yeah. uh, Commissioner Gellin, who also serves District 2 as well. And for those of you that follow me on Instagram, uh, he's one of the few actual elected officials uh, that chimes in on the comments. And that is just in itself uh, says a lot. You know, um, for those of you that follow me, you know, I talk a lot about uh, conversations that elected officials have behind the scene and how hesitant they are uh, to make their positions known in a public way, particularly with social media, because as we know, in this uh, space that we're in, uh, everything you say can and will be and is expected to be used against you. Uh, So I'm always uh, pleased uh, when I see his feedback, his comments, uh, engaging with folks, and it just says a lot. And so I want to welcome you to the show, Commissioner, well, Vice Mayor, the mayor. I want to welcome you to the show. How are you? Doing well, doing well, Tesla. I'm a big fan of yours. I like the way you break down <laughs> politics for the common person, especially the common person in the hood who's not paying attention to politics and how you take big items like the slap and interpret it into today's politics. So it really helps people engage and understand, you know, where they are and where they should be as it relates to their national and local leaders. And I love the fact that you promote the fact that your local leadership is more important than your state and national leadership, because we have much more of an impact than your uh, national politician, your president or your governor. Absolutely. Thank you for saying that. I'm humbled by that. And I appreciate that because you know, a lot of folks, Charlemagne named me the hood whisperer, and I, I have conversations in multiple, you know, uh, walks of life, multiple demographics. But I just find that when you make things very simple, um, I have a, I, I teach actually, 
you know, adult as a, an adult educator of a master's in adult education. And so I tell people that I'm not just, you know, throwing stuff out there, although it is entertaining. Um, it is still meant to educate, empower, engage. And when you make things so simple as a, a dating, you know, how do you date? Do you uh, how do you court the person? How do you engage? And then how when you get engaged and then when you get married? You know, those are all three very important components uh, to the voter. And we are in a time where, uh, you know, I did a post this week where I said, this is the black state of, a po- of politics. The black progressive is very disappointed. Right now, the progressive movement is splintered uh, between those who feel like a lot of the leaders have sold them out. Uh, black people who uh, feel that there's not space. Uh, for Black people in the quote-unquote progressive movement, um, although many of the progressive policies benefit Black people directly uh, because there is some anti-Black uh, rhetoric that happens within that movement. I'm saying that me personally, uh, with working in that movement for former, uh, former Bernie Sanders, uh, being the uh, racial justice director for Bernie Sanders. And then you have the Black moderate. Um, and for clarity, I am, and I always say this on every episode, but I always like to make it very clear I'm independent. I'm not a Democrat or a Republican. But when I was a Democrat, I would consider myself a moderate, a blue dog Democrat. Um, I don't think, uh, although there's many progressive policies that I support, I'm not ashamed uh, to say that there's many moderate uh, support uh, issues that I support, like pro-business, like uh, a lot of the fiscal policies that you just do not see uh, in the progressive movement. So the moderate is frustrated. I'm talking about the black moderate, very frustrated right now with feeling like, hey, you know, how many more excuses can they really make? Because it is such a glaring disappointment uh, mm-hmm. from this administration. And then you have the conscious community, what they call the hotel community. that's sitting back saying, hey, we told you all along and we don't want to be involved in the process at all. We're telling people not to vote, not to get engaged, forget local state, just can totally get out the process. Uh, and then you have the black conservative who is not the puppet or the their favorite that they uh, put up, uh, you know, and, and, and are popular, but those who are truly pro-Black, Black conservative, believe in conservative values and principles that are never highlighted within that movement because there is a an issue with the conservatives actually embracing folks who are pro-Black, who are not going to get on TV and say, you know, what about Chicago and pull yourself up by the bootstraps that will address address both areas, a size of the game. So right now, and, and I want to talk to you about that, uh, you know, I the, the state of black politics. I know uh, you're vice mayor, you're running for mayor, and I, I want to get to that. And I know you've served as commissioner, but I, I just think it's so important, you know, that we talk about where the state is kind of weaving those things in and why people are turned off and what they need to know about their state and local politics. Because I get it. Uh, I get it that people say, I don't want to be involved in the process. But what I try to tell people, you're already involved in the process. Every time you pay taxes, you're involved in the process. It doesn't matter if it's just retail tax, if it is property tax, if it is a federal tax, you're already involved in the process. So the question is, do you want to have a say while you're involved in the process? Or do you just want to sit back and let other people make decisions? So just kind of framing that, uh, just to give the listeners what this conversation will be about. Tell us uh, a little bit about uh, your district that you currently serve and the makeup of that uh, as far as uh, demographics are concerned. Sure. So Tamarack is a city, is a small city. It's about 12 square miles. There's uh, in total about 70,000 in population. Uh, the breakdown, the racial uh, break- breakdown is about 32, 33% Black, 29 to 30% Hispanic, 
and then about 35% um, white, and then about 5%, which is a combination of Asian and mixed race people and people that check that that box where they don't want to be in any particular box. Uh, in terms of the, the income, the uh, median income is about 48,000. And we went from being a senior community to now being a growing family community. Um, so I've been in office for about three years, ran for, off for mayor in 2014, uh, then ran for commissioner in 2018. I was successful, uh, passed a lot of legislation, and now I'm ready to run for mayor and I'll be on the ballot in November of 2022. Okay. Now, your current district, what is the, because you gave us the demographics for the city overall, do you, yes. in your particular district, what are the demographics on, on the individuals that actually voted for you? Because I'm curious on um, on that as well. So uh, at the last election, I actually had two white male opponents and I got 65% of the vote. Um, and so I got a combination of all the votes, white, black, and Hispanic. The demographics are about the same in my particular district. But I think the edge for me was because I ran for mayor in 2014, so many people still remember me and I was the most active and most visible of the three. I worked the hardest. I went door to door um, and, and, I, and I got the vote. I worked the, the early voting during the library. I had my mailers go out for early voting. Um, and I think I just had the the best statement and the best um, position platform. Yeah, absolutely. We're going to talk about that, too. I have an upcoming training uh, coming up where I'm actually partnering with uh, our Black Party. It's in September. And uh, that's one of the things uh, that will be. There'll be three training tracks, candidates, operatives and organizers. And uh, people don't get it that no matter how good your speech is or how whatever name recognition you think you have, you do have to work on the ground. Local people that's want right. to see you at the grocery store. They want to see you at church. They want to see you at their schools. They want to see you involved. And there's a, a, a misunderstanding that people think they can just jump in mm -hmm. and just have a good speech and that will do the trick. Sometimes it does, but most often the person that works the hardest uh, is the one uh, that folks check that box for. So with that said, you you have a mixed demographic. Um, you've, you've made no apology uh, for being unapologetically Black. You've made very clear statements, you know, on what black people are looking for. How is it that you're able to do that uh, without turning off non-black voters and still black voters feeling as if you're taking care of their, those needs? And, and before you get into that, give us your position on. Because I, I get it. I know everybody wants do everything black. The right. reality is an elected. And this is why I'm, we're doing this training is because. I want people to understand the difference between organizers and operatives and candidates, organizers, movement leaders. Our job on the movement side, I consider myself on the movement side, is to get you to move the way I want you to go. Every demographic has their hand open, hand up. Pick me, pick me, pick me. The what do they say? The squeaky oil, the squeaky wheel gets the oil. That's it's right. my job to constantly black, 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 black. I am not offended when I see Hispanic pushing Hispanic, Asian pushing Asian. White pushing white. And like you mentioned, all of the others that don't want to classify in a certain group. Everybody's supposed to do it. The question is, who's the loudest? Who's the most organized to make sure that we get a piece of that pie? And there's a disconnect on that. And the reason why the disconnect is there, and I understand why the disconnect is there, is because too often black leaders get use their black card, if you will, to get elected. But then when it's time to divvy up the pie. Even if you're just being even, 25, 25, 25, 25, black people don't feel that 25% that is owed to them, much less 30, 40, 50% if you're in a district that is majority black. So it seems that the black card, if you will, is always pushed 
during election time, when it's time to go to the polls and souls to the polls, but then when it's time to divvy out the reward for that, that is where people fall up short. And some of that, Mayor, is I, I believe a lot of elected officials have poor communication. They don't tell yep. people what they're doing. They sure don't tell them far enough. And then sometimes yep. flat out, they just don't do it. So give us your perspective on representing a, a district that has multiple races, but still remaining, you know, pro-black and not ignoring uh, black folks. So uh, what you mentioned is true and it's important. And I think one of the reasons why we get left out when it's time to divvy up new rewards is because as voters, so as elected officials, we don't communicate as much as we should while we're in office. And as voters, we think that once we vote that one person in office or the president in office, they're going to fulfill their campaign promises. But the way it works in real life is, as you know, you have advocates and lobbyists and special interest groups that continue to hold the elected official accountable and say, hey, we supported you financially and with our votes so that you can accomplish X, Y, and Z. Now we're going to hold you to it. And that's where we as Black voters, we fall short. We don't continue the process once our our chosen person is elected in office. I think part of the reason why is because uh, we're busy working, we're taking care of our family, taking care of our kids. And so we just believe the promise that those elected officials make. Um, what I try to do is I know that I was elected by majority Black people and other people. And so when I'm pushing legislation, I'm making sure that it benefits my people, but also benefits the greater community. So for example, when I tried to push for a disparity study where we did our own internal study and I said, hey, how much money are we spending with Black-owned businesses out of our, our $41 million spend? In one year, it was less than half of 1%. In another year, it was less than 2%. Uh, for Hispanics, it was 5 to 6%. For women, it was like 7 or 8%. So when I pushed that, I, I pushed the fact that, hey, the reason why we see mostly Black people on the arrest report that we get every month is because these people are not working. And you look at the crimes they're committed, they're re re related to finances. So if we improve opportunities for Black-owned businesses, these Black-owned businesses will hire Black people. The same way you go to a Chinese restaurant, you see Chinese people. Cuban restaurant, you see Cuban people. People hire their own people, even though they hire others, for the most part, they hire their own people. So if we want to see less Black people and less Hispanic people on these arrest reports, we need to create opportunities. We know there's a gender gap and a pay gap. We have women-owned businesses that are growing. Let's pass this legislation, conduct a disparity study, and have goals and preference programs for minority groups, which includes Blacks, Hispanics, and women. And unfortunately, even though I, I made the case for Black people and for other people, that did not pass. Yeah. And so what I try to do is I try to sell the story that includes everybody. Uh, but sometimes it, it doesn't work out. But that's why sometimes you got to change the, 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 the folks who are in office so that you have more like minded people that see this, the same vision of the future that you have. Yeah. And, and I'm glad you hit that that point. Florida is what I still call my political stomping ground. I had a business in Orlando, Florida, uh, a staffing firm. And mm -hmm. it was, I got the contract before I was a part of the NWBE program. And that's where a lot of us, you know, we do this minority. That includes everybody, including white women. And mm -hmm. even when we um, have the opportunity, when the programs are there and we're still usually selected as a sub, I had a contract with the city, with the city of Orlando, the Amway Arena. I employed uh, 300 employees continuously throughout the year, but I still had I to listen to your podcast on that one. That yeah. was a great story. Yeah. And I still had to compete with white women 
and yeah. I still had to compete. And so even when we say for everybody, it still is disparity when it comes for everybody. Even if you look at black women, this is not a gender war. These are facts. You know, I know there's yeah. this conversation out here about gender. Well, gender what? It's facts. Um, black women still, although most educated, uh, more degrees across the board, still make yeah. less than white women and black men and white men. And so when I hear these minority opportunities, mm -hmm. it still is a lack of accessibility to black businesses. In my business, uh, we shut down after healthcare reform happened because the contract, Spirion, which is the third largest staffing firm, was my prime. I was a sub. And when healthcare reform kicked in in 2012, nobody knew, like, would we be required as temporary mm -hmm, agent, mm -hmm. you know, to pay for the uh, the insurance or not. So by Spirion adding just 4 or $5, you know, to the hourly rate, that threw us out because another contractor was able to combine services with security as well as the ushers that we were providing. So they're able to reduce it at a much lower rate. And so they beat us out. And so for my business, you're absolutely right about hiring your own. I hired everybody from GEDs to PhDs and everything in between. People who had just came home from prison, returning citizens, women who mm -hmm. were in shelters that needed, uh, you know, uh, verification to say that they were working, people who were on probation, and those who were even former CEOs that went through a layoff during that time. Because when I started my business, that was right after the recession in 2008. I started my business in the recession, actually. Wow. So it was and with a baby and going through a divorce. So anything is possible in Orlando, Florida with no family, no friends. Uh, I like to put that out there because I want people to know the hustle is real. <laughs> um, so even with all of that, I got kicked out of the the opportunity because they had to divide it up between me and a white woman's firm, quote unquote minority. Uh, there was we didn't have enough hours to go around for me to even just stay in business, period. It didn't make sense because once you pay the hourly, the employee tax, uh, FICA, all of the taxes included in order to stay in business. I needed at least 25 people working every single day. Otherwise, it wasn't feasible. And once we had to split that, now I'm down to because it was her and another firm, five or six employees, and it just wasn't feasible. And so out of those groups, and I'm, I'm glad that they, you know, had the opportunity but out of me versus her, I was the one making the most community impact based upon who I was hiring, which is why I won Orlando Business Journal, 40 Under 40, Women Who Mean Business, 2012. Not because I had the most payroll, the most employees, but because of the community impact that I was making. And it was very sad to see something like that dissolve with no support from the city or anybody else saying, well, how do we make sure that there's enough contracts to uh, to keep at least this business in business because of the community impact. And so in my case, I can't say that I wasn't involved. I was sitting on four or five different boards. I, I was sitting on the Metro Plan board. I was on League of Women Voters. I was on NWBE. I was on the Membership Mission and Review Board. So I can't say that I wasn't involved and wasn't advocating like we talked about a moment ago because I was doing all of those things. And even right. still, right. I believe right. Right. The, the city failed in recognizing what you talked about, businesses that make that community impact. And I don't blame them. You know, it is what it is. I, you know, moved on and, and went back doing to what I did full time prior to that. But I just want to say that the other side of that coin is when people do step up and they do pull themselves about a bootstrap and there is a community impact made in these businesses, 
we do need more support, you know, from our elected officials that know how to advocate for that and get stuff done. And I know personally, I did not feel the love at all. And even though I had great friends in office and they did, you know, certainly were big supporters of me. That is how black businesses get uh, X'd out of the process. So uh, in addition to that, mm-hmm. we get lost in the minority number. Right. So our companies love to promote the fact that, yeah, we do 20 percent, 30 percent with minority businesses. And then you say, well, what do you mean by minority? Like, what are the black numbers? What are the Hispanic numbers? What are the women numbers? And when you dig deeper, we're always on the bottom of the totem pole. So even in our city, we're doing worse than Asians, worse than Hispanics, worse than any other group. And I always tell people, especially my 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 commission members, I said, look, there's no secret as to why the descendants of former slaves are at the bottom of the barrel. And this is why these policies were put in place, supposedly, but we're not benefiting from those policies. And and that's a crime. And we should work towards facing that if we truly want to resolve this crime problem where we're always at the forefront of the quote unquote crime problem. We got we have to create opportunities for everyone, including African Americans. That's right. And and again, everybody should be pro black. If yeah. I'm instead of telling black people, hey, be about everybody else because the lift all boats, tides mess. How about everybody be pro-black since black black is at the bottom? Because if you're pro-black, then everybody gets lifted, if nothing else, by default. Um, yes. Going to that, you you also passed banning the box, which I know that was also done uh, in Orlando, Florida as well, and all across the country. Those are one of those things that I, I know that they fail on the national level to promote. When we talk about, you know, my frustration and my disappointment in not passing of the George Floyd Justice and Policing Act uh, on the federal level, although there's been 200 plus cities that have passed some form of police accountability on the local and state level. And it puzzles me why the federal government doesn't talk about that, if nothing else, or the Democrats, if nothing else, but in their messaging, the same way they talk, oh, well, that's not our job. But it was your job when you was running around galvanizing everybody support Joe Biden. So why mm-hmm. is there not a movement to talk about hey, these are some of the things that are happening at the local and the state level, because even though the Georgia Justice and Policing Act is about policing, we still have to look at crime as a whole, because again, like you mentioned, when we are involved in crime or even, even suspected, meaning just calling 911, we're five times more likely to be shot. And so when you look at employment and economics and how all of that connects uh, and, and uh, disparity, it all connects to reducing crime which connects to not having to call the police, which connects mm-hmm. to all of those things being pulled over for a warrant. All of those things are interconnected. And there's a poor messaging job, I believe, on the federal level that connects all of that and pulls the resources to support, not just talk about what you guys are doing, but support it and invest. In Florida, to me, my personal opinion, has always done a terrible job with supporting Black candidates, particularly Democrats, everything people I tell you, I tell them all the time, if you don't like how I feel about Democrats, blame it on the state of Florida, because everything that I have learned has been from the lack thereof uh, on what I have seen, how the party does not support local uh, and state representatives. So tell us a little bit about uh, that policy that you passed. And also, I know you've done some things uh, on police reform there as well. Yeah. So with uh, Bang in the Box, that was something that some people consider controversial. I still get emails every now and then from people who say, oh, well, why would it, why would anyone, anyone want to hire a felon? We should hire a felon. And I said, look, when someone does a crime, they serve their time and they get out. 
We ought to do everything we can help them get a job and recover because you don't want to be a prisoner outside of prison where you're locked out of opportunities, locked out of economics, locked out of a way to feed yourself. What are you going to do? You're going to commit crime in order to feed yourself. Uh, you know, you listen to hip hop music from back in the day to today. People talk about committing crime because they need to eat, they need to feed their family. And so when someone commits a crime and they do their time, they serve their time, we need to open up all avenues. And when you study um, uh, what happens to people when they come out of prison, a lot of them cannot get real estate licenses. Some of them can't get barber licenses. They are locked out of so many opportunities. It eliminates their chance of getting a job. And so what do they do? They're forced to go back to a life of crime, which, which hinders all of us. And so if you really care about safety in the community, banging the box is important. What does it mean? All it means is they don't have to check that box. And they and if they're qualified, they can go through the interview process. And then later on in, in the process, they can talk about their background. But at least the person interviewing can take a look at their character, their work ethic, and give, an, give them an opportunity. And I didn't want to just limit it to the city of Tamarack. We have, what, 400 employees, and the opportunities don't open uh, very often. So any vendor that's contracted with the city of Tamarack they also have to adopt ban the box policies. And so that's how you, you create opportunities with more businesses and more people applying for those jobs. And if every city did that and every county did that, then that would create more opportunities for people and reduce people um, having to go back to uh, a life of crime. A new season of Bridgerton is here. And with it, a new season of Bridgerton, the official podcast. I'm your host, Gabrielle Collins. And this season, we are bringing fans even deeper into the ton. Colin Bridgerton has returned from his travels abroad. Is betrothal written in the stars for the eligible bachelor? Meanwhile, the ton is reverberating with speculation of who holds Lady Whistledown's pen. We're discussing it all. I sit down with Nicola Coughlin, Luke Newton, Shonda Rhimes, and more to offer an exclusive peek behind the scenes of each episode of the new season. Watch season three of the Shondaland series on Netflix. Then fall in love all over again by listening to Bridgerton, the official podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe to catch a new episode every Thursday. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher. I'm so excited to tell you about the brand new series of The Girlfriends. In season one, we told you about the murder of Gail Katz at the hands of my ex-boyfriend, Bob. At one point, a woman's torso washed up on Staten Island and was misidentified as Gail. She spent nine years in Gail's grave, and then she just disappeared. It's almost like it's become this moral obligation to find her. And that's what we're going to do. Find this missing girlfriend and tell her story. With the help of some of your favorite girlfriends from season one, like my producer, Anna. Oh my God. My friend, Dr. Mindy Shapiro. Hi, it's Dr. Shapiro, and I'd like to speak with the deputy medical examiner. And of course, Gail's sister, Elaine Katz. Having no closure, it kills you. Join us as we try to solve a 35-year-old cold case. It's not going to be easy, but it's going to be one hell of a ride. <gasps> what? I can't believe this. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Country, country. 
another short story because I love, you know, I love receipts, but I, just, I want people to show how this we how this happens in real life. So when I was the vendor uh, for Orlando, Florida, and this is where the business has the responsibility. And sometimes you got to be willing to walk away from something. You got to be willing to stand and say, hey, this is what it is. And this is just what I'm accepting. And I'm telling you, I'm doing that with nothing, literally. And I made that position. And this is why I'm so hard on on elected folks. Because I've been in that position, I have the receipts to show it, and I look at people with budgets and elected and all that and still make piss poor excuses. When I had that contract with Spirion, who was the vendor for uh, Orlando, Florida, the city of Orlando, the question, mm-hmm. this was way, this was in 2010 when my first employee started. 10 people started on 10-10-2010, which is very prophetic. Spirion wanted to know, well, shit, can we review your backgrounds, your background checks? And I said, no, absolutely not. If you trust me as a vendor and I am a vendor, then you also need to trust my policies, my human resource uh, skill, my ability to hire good talent. Why did I do that? Because I know that I was hiring people straight out of jail. And I know that they didn't have access to money. They didn't have access to anything that would have uh, been any uh, reason for caution, if you will, right. to be an usher to stand in and tell people where to sit down for, for a basketball game. So I refuse, even though I needed that opportunity, Mike, even though I know that that was all I had for me and my baby, I still said, because I knew where I was going to see, the name of my company was called The Allied Group. Our mission, and I tell people this, even if you have a small business, you still should have a mission statement and a vision statement. And ours was, we are a horizontal organization, meaning we're horizontal, flat. We're not, abo- nobody's above or beneath. Our community, our candidates, and our clients guide our direction. What does community mean? Community-based, a for-profit organization. It's not a non-profit organization. But I still was thinking about what this impact would be for the community. And so Spirion even said, okay, well, I guess you're going to hire who you want to hire. And I did. And I would tell my employees, the first one of y'all start testifying about y'all background is out the door. I said, we don't need, <laughs> we don't need no Wednesday night prayer service or none of that. And I would tell people, and you watch and tell me who's talking. I don't need you going over there telling people about your background, how you made it, and this and that. All I need you to do is give me four hours, because there were four-hour shifts. Give me four hours, do the very best that you can, and get out. We'll worry about everything else later. And I had outstanding employees. And then when they all... I think mm-hmm. you, you also recognize that these folks are going to appreciate the opportunity, make the most of the opportunity, and not mess up so they have future opportunities with you. And that's one of the benefits of giving people that second chance that they need. Yeah. And they also knew I would check their ass too. Excuse my French. <laughs> but yeah, I wasn't nothing to play with. We, we had Absolutely. a different, it was HR, but it was hood resources. So, and, and <laughs> it was so funny, you know, shout out to Theo and my guys. What I did, because I was just, it was just me. And people said, how did you have 300 plus employees? In fact, the city didn't believe me. I had to stand before them and prove that these were actually, I had to bring every last W-4 that I signed because they just knew somebody had to be behind me. But what I did, yeah. Every person that I hired had to bring two or three people as well. They became their supervisor. They became their lead. So I got brothers in the hood that were suffering, had drug issues in the past, records that would come through. They're like, well, how do you get to be a supervisor? So not only did they do that, they learned how to manage other people because I couldn't manage everybody. They were responsible mm-hmm. for whatever trash you brought in the door. I would tell them, you bring in trash, you're taking out the trash. You're going to have to fire them. You're going to be responsible. And then I hired maybe about 100 plus employees from Workforce Academy. At the time, uh, his name was Randy Bracey. He's now Senator uh, Randy Bracey oh, in the House. My uh, that's my my homeboy. And we we worked together when he was just working at the school. 
you know, and hiring his students who worked to take care of their family. These were juniors and seniors that were put in mm-hmm. this program that was actually feeding, you know, their family. And I hired about 120 of, of those students as, as well. A lot of them are still in my comments today, too, Mike, when they, they pop oh, in cool. <laughs> yeah, to check in. Because um, they, they learned some real hard lessons uh, from me. Because one thing I know about the streets is respect. When they respect you, it goes a long way. Um, so, Absolutely. yes, it was giving opportunity, but also a whole lot of accountability. You know, that you will not destroy this for everybody else. I, You know, I talk about all the time. I'm not Harry Tubman. I will leave you where you stand. Because if you don't know you want to be free now in 2022, you ain't going to never know it. So if yeah. you want to play this game and think you're going to destroy it for everybody, not going to happen. I'll fire you quick as I mean, it, hey, we, we're not going to bring everybody down for one or two. So there was a very high level accountability because I knew the risk that I was putting on the line by saying, trust me to make those hiring decisions. And even with the All-Star, when that came in 2011, mm-hmm. the NBA said, we have to see everybody's background because, you know, high security, which makes sense. Mm-hmm. And I said, mm-hmm. well, and I knew if I did that, Spirion would see the backgrounds that I had too. And these guys were working every week. There's no way I was going to let Aaron Clark, who he's talked about his story, who had did 10 years uh, in prison, my very best employee, now be put out the game because the the NBA All-Star for one night. So what I did is I negotiated a contract for them to do the events outside of the arena. And those that I had had already worked every single week in the arena that had the clean backgrounds, I put them in place. And mm-hmm. they never knew any of that. But I'm sharing that because I don't want to hear excuses from people that talk about what can be done. Private and public partnerships means just that, partnerships. Right. I need you to give me an opportunity in your position, but I also have a responsibility as a business owner to make sure I hold up my end of the bargain and exceed it. And I can't just say, well, you know, they don't do that with the black folks. They don't do that with the white folks. You're not the white folks. You have to be better, sharper, deliver more, do better. And I meant that. And so there's yeah. a hand in hand, you know, when we're talking about banning the box. Yeah, you're going to ban the box. But at some point, that background is going to be ran. And what are you going to do as a business owner, a vendor to stand? And if you know you have a background, you have a, a more resp- responsibility than anybody else, you know, to make sure that we're, we're above excellence. Absolutely. And that was a great and creative idea that you came up with not wanting to harm your good employees that had questionable backgrounds and take them out. Okay, here's a compromise where you can still work, but you won't be inside the arena. So now both parties are satisfied. The NBA is satisfied, you're satisfied, and your employees are still being taken care of. And that's what more elected officials need to do. Come up with creative solutions to still get the deal done. And yeah. we don't do enough of that. And nobody ever knew, you know, and I was, shout out to Theo. <laughs> I miss Theo. He was so mad. He was mad as hell because he wanted to see Nicki Minaj because <laughs> I think they had had a concert or something. I want to see, man, your background long is Florida. I'm not getting ready to put subject you to that and hurt everybody else. And they think he was one of their favorite employees. Why would you do that? And see, so you have to guide a lot of people with this too. remove the emotion, you know, so that we, so that we can get it done. And that's me. I I was the only owner of my business. So that's why I want to hear about what people can't do, Mike. So that's why you hear me talk a whole lot when it comes to that stuff, because there's creative solutions, you know, that we can get this done. So thank you so much. you know, for your work on that. You also talked about you did some removal of red light cameras as well. Um, tell yeah. us about that. So, you know, we, we the city, before I got on board, contracted with some company uh, to put red light cameras everywhere. And people were getting tickets left and right. And 
you know, not necessarily for running a, a, a blatant red light, but, you know, just a slight miss. And then all of a sudden you're in. And then there was one light that they put strategically in, a, in front of a hospital where people got emergency situations and it's just a right turn. You're right in the hospital. And they were ticketing people left and right. $250 a pop up to $300 when you add the fees. Um, and so I campaigned on the remo- removal of that and got it done. I want to say within two years of office because it was hurting our own people. And we had seniors, we had low, low income people complaining that they can't afford to, to pay this and they're going to have their license suspended, take a chance of going to jail just by simply trying to go to work. Mm-hmm. And it was a harmful tax on the, 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 the people who would be hurt the most by it. Um, so I was glad I was able to get that removed. Yeah, Florida's terrible. They, they love suspending licenses. I've never seen anything yes. like it. I mean, I it was, you know, which I as you know street. can lead to a to an arrest. Yeah, and you can spend at, the night or the weekend in jail. And the child support thing, you know, suspending people's license, child support. I they just never how is somebody supposed to get to work and pay the child yes. support. Florida is just terrible when it comes to. I, my heart will always be with Florida. I will always push. I don't care where I live. That's just my where my heart is in politics. And there's so many bad policies, and all of yes. these things funnel up and funnel down with your local, your state. And on and on the federal side. So if the federal does nothing else, let's talk to the people about how important it is. And and I want to say this because I know I got the conscious extra woke folk that follow me. Hey, let me say this. This is not this is the mayor don't approve this comments. I'm getting ready to say I don't give a damn what y'all do. So let's get that straight. I don't give a damn. Y'all can sit down and never do nothing for the rest of your life. I do not tell grown folk what to do. You need to figure out what you need to do uh, for you and your family. And I'm damn sure not going to beg you. My job is to educate you and inform and you empower yourself, you know, on how you want to do this. But at the same time, I don't believe in Democrat down ballot. As long as they're Democrat, I'm going to check the box or whatever. I I talk about how uh, city seats, particularly like yours, are not because I'm assuming yours is nonpartisan, correct? Correct. Yeah, absolutely. Most seats are on the city level. Some states have, you know, where they're partisan seats. But seats mm-hmm. like yours that are nonpartisan have nothing to do with political affiliation. It has to do with you have an opportunity to pick who you think best represents your community. And guess yes. what? Somebody's going to be in that seat regardless. So if you don't like who it is, then how about don't chase and replace them? Put somebody in that you think will be better. But talk about I think the city commissioner position. I don't know why everybody want to be Congress. Want to be? I don't I don't get mm-hmm. it. I don't understand mm-hmm. the attraction behind it. I don't get Me it. <laughs> I love the executive level, the mayor, the city commissioner. It's the most powerful. It's the most effective. It's the quickest you can get things done. Most impactful. Most impactful. They call you for everything, by the way. Even if you're not on the school board, they call you about that event planning. Who should I call about this? They call you about churches. I mean, literally, there's no position more called upon than the Mm -hmm. city or the county commissioner. Tell us a little bit about how important that nonpartisan role is for those who say, you know what, I don't want to deal with the federal government more. I don't like Joe Biden. I don't like Democrats. Okay, cool. Can you at least show up on the city level, which is typically an election day that is not November, not in the presidential, a whole yep. completely different day. And you have an opportunity every week to go speak directly to your council. Yes. Face to face to tell them how you feel. Shout out to yep. Gary Chambers, who you got a chance to see what that looks like when you go speak to Connie directly. Give us some game on that for those who say, I don't want nothing to do with Democrats and Joe Biden. Where can they get in where they fit in on the city level? So on the city level, you know, we're responsible for your water. We're responsible for your pipes. We're responsible for the events and activities in the community, for your parks and recreation, 
your games, your gyms, any and everything, that's what we're responsible for. We're available. We're local. You can, when people, they have, most people have my cell phone. They can come and see me. Um, I make myself available. You can come to the commission meeting. Um, but it's very important to be in local office and to be engaged because even though it's nonpartisan, so my uh, opponent in the fall, for example, is um, uh, officially NPA, but endorsed by the Republican Party, a proud Trump supporter, a proud Ron DeSantis supporter. And what do you have is you have those same policies coming down in your local office. So that's why uh, the disparity study did not pass, because that's a reflection of those Trump beliefs. And so you need to be involved, especially at the local level, because more and more what these folks are doing is they're going into your local school boards and banning these books that tell the fair and true story about us. They're going into local office and then they're getting rid of disparity studies that were already done or not enforcing them. And so it limits and harms minority and black owned businesses. So it's extremely important. We, you can touch us the most and we can have the most impact. So for example, one of the things that I did was after COVID happened, before the federal government decided to give money to people, um, I convinced the commission to take $250,000 from our budget and give it to those who are extremely affected, people who couldn't pay their light bill, their water bill, and were in danger of losing those basic services. And we were able to get that done before the federal government started giving people money. Mm -hmm. So that's how quick we can make an impact on your everyday pockets. Mm -hmm. And you have a lot, again, budgets, nonprofits, after school programs, Correct. all of that can come from the city and the county level. And I, I am really trying hard as you know, uh, really trying to educate people on that because people are, we have voter suppression and we have voter depression. And right yes. now people are just over it. And so I'm doing my part again with the training in September. I'm so, so, so excited about it. Our Black Party's behind it. Puff is by, in case you don't know who Puff is, I would hope somebody know who Puff Daddy is, a.k.a. Diddy, a.k.a. <laughs> Brother Love, a.k.a. Sean Combs, um, yes. has believed in what it is that I'm trying to do. And I'm so, so, so very excited about it. It'll be in Atlanta, hopefully November 10th. Um, okay. We'll have that security in the next couple of weeks, uh, but it's so important. I, I hope you can come if, um, you know, if you get an opportunity, something you're going to say, look like you. Yeah, well, election day should be over by then, but I, I, I should be able to be there. But you you said voter suppression and voter depression. Mm -hmm. And I'm not sure which one is worse because I know in our community, we do have voter depression because of all the unfulfilled promises of the president and others in leadership throughout the country. Mm -hmm. And so that leads to voter depression and then when they come out again in four years or in this uh, congressional cycle, people are like, no, we're not coming because you didn't work hard enough. You didn't even demonstrate the effort to pass the legislation that we put you in office for. Mm -hmm. You did it for everybody else, That's which it. is fine for them, but you're not doing it for us. That's it. And they never support, I'm going to say again, at least from the state of Florida, they do not support black candidates enough on the state and local level. They do not support black media on the state and local level. Uh, and it's just a damn shame. And so I'm all about, you know, calling that out and supporting, you know, in any way that I can. A new season of Bridgerton is here. And with it, a new season of Bridgerton, the official podcast. I'm your host, Gabrielle Collins. And this season, we are bringing fans even deeper into the ton. Colin Bridgerton has returned from his travels abroad. Is betrothal written in the stars for The Eligible Bachelor? Meanwhile, the ton is reverberating with speculation of who holds Lady Whistledown's pen. 
we're discussing it all. I sit down with Nicola Coughlin, Luke Newton, Shonda Rhimes, and more to offer an exclusive peek behind the scenes of each episode of the new season. Watch season three of the Shondaland series on Netflix. Then fall in love all over again by listening to Bridgerton, the official podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe to catch a new episode every Thursday. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher. I'm so excited to tell you about the brand new series of The Girlfriends. In season one, we told you about the murder of Gail Katz at the hands of my ex-boyfriend, Bob. At one point, a woman's torso washed up on Staten Island and was misidentified as Gail. She spent nine years in Gail's grave, and then she just disappeared. It's almost like it's become this moral obligation to find her. And that's what we're going to do. Find this missing girlfriend and tell her story. With the help of some of your favorite girlfriends from season one, like my producer, Anna. Oh my God. My friend, Dr. Mindy Shapiro. Hi, it's Dr. Shapiro, and I'd like to speak with the deputy medical examiner. And of course, Gail's sister, Elaine Katz. Having no closure, it kills you. Join us as we try to solve a 35-year-old cold case. It's not going to be easy, but it's going to be one hell of a ride. (gasps) What? I can't believe this. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Um, Before we wrap us up, wrap up, I do want to give you an opportunity to talk about your run for mayor, a little bit more about that, when the election date is coming up and, you know, anything uh, you need us to know, you know, on your platform that folks can kind of tap into. Yes, absolutely. So election day is November 8th on Tuesday. Um, Running for mayor, if I win, I'll be the first black mayor in the city of Tamarack. Uh, So that's a significant accomplishment. And uh, my agenda includes accountability, including police accountability, financial accountability. Uh, Unfortunately, our, our mayor is tied to a former city manager who was arrested as part of a $3.4 million extortion scheme. Um, we've had a couple of incidents in Tamarack where uh, someone was, was, was beat down in public. The, the, the news went national. I think even LeBron James commented on it. And um, I, because we contract with a third party uh, sheriff, we don't have our own police department. We contract with the Broward Sheriff's Office. We don't have the authority to fire those involved. So what I was able to do is I, I called the motion to get the three officers involved in that removed temporarily um, until that investigation was over. One was subsequently fired, one is on desk duty, um, and one one was uh, allowed to keep his job. But the mayor was the only one on the commission uh, to vote against having them removed temporarily um, while we were doing an investigation. Uh, the people need someone that's gonna represent their interests. And right now, unfortunately, Tamarack doesn't have a mayor that represents their interests. That's why I'm running and anyone can visit my website to see my full platform and MikeGellin.com, that's G-E-L-I-N. And of course, donations are always appreciated. Yeah, Uh, uh, that's so important. And I just got to put a pin on that again, how policing is even at the city level with executive order filing motions and making things happen tomorrow. And that does not mean an excuse for the federal government to not do anything and say, oh, that's just a local and state issue. No, it is a combined effect, a combined collaborative effort that everybody does what they need to do. The county, when you talk about Broward County, the county commissioners, what are they doing? 
What can the city do? What? How far can can you push your pen? Once you run out of ink, then I'm cool. But if you still got yeah. ink and you still you're not writing nothing, you're not doing nothing, then that's no excuse. And so if the federal can't get it done because of the house that they control and Senate allegedly, then why are they not working more to say, hey, we make it happen on the federal level? We're gonna damn sure try to partner with some of these states and some of these local so that people can at least have hope that this does work. That upsets me to the core because I, I want people to know that I think they have this mindset, Mike, that if they keep making people think that that it's we're so far behind, nobody's gonna get involved. What but it's it's the opposite that's happening. They're saying, forget it. Show people that progress. When I go that's work right. out and I look and I say, okay, I got 20 more minutes, 10 more minutes, if I can just push through 10 more minutes, five more minutes. It motivates me to push. And so that old concept of thinking we're so, so, so far behind is no longer working because it's causing depression. We still have a long way to go. You still want yes. people to keep pushing where you don't want people to say, oh, let's celebrate and let's be done with it. But there has to be a good balance to show that, yes, Mike was able to get this done within your power. So we need to support Mike and more people like him and so on and so forth. And that's the balance I'm trying to find. How do we push the line? Like I always say, politics until something happens on that logo. There's somebody in front of the P, the U, the S, the H. They're pushing two or in street clothes, two or in business clothes. It's a child on the side watching with their fist up. Each person is pushing in their own way. They're not focused on the person right to the right to the left. They're pushing in their own way. How can I help? What can you do? Just you as an individual. Can you show up at a meeting? Can you do right. something? If you're going to troll on Twitter, don't troll me. Go troll one of these elected officials. Don't worry Absolutely. about what I'm saying. You and my comments all day being a clown. When the last time you was a clown and one of these other people, you know, want to get in their comments. Yep. Don't come my yep. comments. So there's yep. a way that we all can be involved. And it's never going to be all. It's only going to be a few of us that do the work. I'm just looking for a new few. So yes. I yes. want to thank you for joining. You, you do a great job. Uh, you know, you are speaking to an audience that is uh, has been ignored, has not been engaged. Uh, and you are engaging them. You are relating uh, everyday topics to politics, especially with a slap, especially <laughs> you really with like that um, <laughs> <laughs> and, and the way you talked about Cory Booker and, and his appeal. Uh, so the way you break things down, it lets people know, hey, I can still play a role. I can still be myself mm -hmm. and play a role in politics. And I think it's very important. So miss seeing you on BNC News, but oh, uh, you yes. still have your platform. Yeah. Uh, and hopefully you're out of IG jail by now. Yeah, I'm still in jail. <laughs> I'm still in jail. Hashtag free test. I don't know. And I don't get it. They put the post back up that put me in jail. Oh, I've been in jail twice this month, actually, uh, in uh -huh. IG mass incarceration. But the second post, they put both of them back up, but I'm still in jail for whatever reason. Yeah. So I've been going on live uh, YouTube, you know, moving folks over to that channel, which is probably yeah. where I should be anyway, particularly since... A BNC is down. You know, let's start. We we got to have spaces where we control, you know, um, it's not up to a network to stay in business and pay their employees right. And, you know, things of that nature. People say, oh, I hope you get a show. Uh, Straight Shot No Chase is a show, by the way, guys, in case y'all are confused. It is on yeah. iHeart, which is the largest audio platform in the world. It's a part of Charlemagne the God. I kind of think his name has a little bit of weight. Mm -hmm. um, and we reach millions uh, of listeners collectively. I think they said six million a week collectively as wow. as a as a as a as a group. Um, so I really do have a show, believe it or not. But BNC uh, was a nice addition to folks that want to see television. And it's sad, you know, that uh, we we can keep reality shows on. Uh, year after year after year after year after year. 
But when it comes to giving this information and news, it's just a hard sell. Even with the the podcast, I tell people 70% of podcast listeners, audio learners are white. Look at who controls the conservative market on the AM station. Listening, listening, listening. We we always want to be visual. I need to see everything. More people on IG than Twitter. Anti-reading. Right. You want to see videos and pictures. So mm-hmm, I try to go mm-hmm. to the IG space and sometime entertain and be funny and give people a reason to stay connected to politics because there's no subject that I don't think I can translate into politics. So for those who are listening, you're talking about the slap. I did a podcast and people go check back and check it out where I said black people are getting the Chris Rock slapped out of them in politics. Every subject has a political message to it if you look a little bit deeper. And so I try to do that because one is fun and I think I'm just kind of good at it. You, you are not just a slap. It was the uh, <laughs> the email because I got that same email. Yes, uh, a dirty Mac and Democrats. Yeah, and, and you know they sent before, out another before, email. <laughs> they sent another email right after that. They apparently before, they, <laughs> apparently they didn't want to take before, my advice, and it was even worse. The second email said, "We told you that we needed this. We told you we needed that. We told you yeah. now give us three dollars." It was even worse. But before I, before I saw I, I, I heard your podcast when I read the email, I had the same thoughts. And so yeah, when I see your podcast, I was like, yeah, I feel the same way. Yeah. Who's begging? It literally, I mean, Charlamagne said, I didn't know it literally said begging. Yes, literally. Yeah. We're yeah. begging you, Tesla. That was in the subject line. Yep. Yep. I'm I'm all with a man begging for my love, but I mean, come on, get your, <laughs> you don't have no confidence at all when you, <laughs> you yeah. know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like at least get your swag up just a little bit. And that's, yeah. that's how I see it. And when I, when I connect those dots. And for those who are listening, go back and check out Dirty Mac and Democrats. I was talking, for those who don't know what D- Dirty Mac is, it's when you talk about somebody else's man instead of talking about what you can do. Or talking about somebody else's woman instead of what you can do. That's what Democrats do. What about the Republicans? What about the Republicans? That whole email, they didn't say one thing the Democrats were doing. They only talked about Republicans. And to me, that's yeah. Dirty Mac. And that's not effective. It doesn't work. What are you doing? What have you done? What are you going to do? But see, they know they can't talk about what they're going to do because right now they're they're on a failed message. So they got to talk about what they've done. And looks like they can't do that based on not accomplishing enough. So it's just a glaring, you know, it shows. But they do the same thing every single Even when they do do things, they still do the dirty macking approach. Surely yep. you've done something by default, if nothing else by default. You know, so I just don't get it. But hey, what the hell do I know? Uh, they pay millions and millions of white consultants to help them lose by a landslide. Mm-hmm, uh, so, hey, mm-hmm. who am I to stand in between them and a, and a loss? Uh, but I know one thing. I know... I'm focused on getting us a database of candidates, operatives, and organizers. I'm done trying to change it. I'm done trying to get them to get it. I'm done begging. If people want to be involved and they say, hey, I want to be an organizer. I don't want to be a candidate. I don't want to be an operative, but I do want to do some in my community. Like what we saw what the brother did with Amazon. We're going to be teaching yeah. that uh, this September in Atlanta, Georgia. And so I'm excited about that. So uh, part I'm of my, as well, are you going to run I'll for I'll be a part of it. Absolutely. And it's a part of a series that I've always had. You're going to run for office or run your mouth. But now we're doing it in a you know bigger scale and but not too big. I, I want to keep it at about 300 folks because I, I do want the breakout sessions to be a little bit more intimate. But hopefully that will be a success and we can continue on because what I have learned, I've went to CBC training. I've been to uh, Yale campaign school for women at Yale Law School. I've been to Go Run Lead. I've been to the White House Project. I was a trainer at PCCC. Uh, Elizabeth Warren's trainer. I've done Emily's List, Roof List, you name it. I, I've been to those trainings in the past decade, and I have not had one that spoke in, in the language that I think people need to hear, which is the truth. Most times they want you to leave pumped up and feeling really good, and they tell you a bunch of lies. 
I want you to leave really questioning what are you doing? Why are you doing it? And reconsidering life, you know, like this, how do I need to, it's, I'm not trying to pump you up. I am going to inspire you and empower you, but you need to know the truth. When you run for office, it's going to be you and your cousin. Are you, yeah. you by yourself? Like you need to know that, you know, before you get into it so that you can have some realist expectations and let's get you there. And it's important right. that this training was absolutely free. Shout out to my partners that's backing me in that because I want to make sure that people had accessibility, but you are still getting top-notch training. Most of these trainings, as you know, CBC, you have to be uh, uh, recommended and sent by a congressperson. Right. I was Congressman Brownis who sent me. Uh, the rest of these trainings are anywhere from two to three to $4,000. Very, very mm -hmm. expensive to attend. And I just, at first I'll say, well, maybe I can just charge $100 to at least cover the lunch. But I didn't want to minimize, you know, make it so cheap that it didn't seem value. And then people just don't have $100, the people that I'm trying to get engaged. So Especially these days. Absolutely. So uh, shout out again to my partners who are supporting that effort and letting me, uh, allowing me the opportunity uh, to be in control of the messaging. And because it's very important, it's nonpartisan and we're not linked up uh, with anybody that can damage, you know, what it is that I'm trying to do. And so they've allowed me that opportunity. But I also, going back to what I said earlier, I stood on that opportunity because I would just rather do it online or do it on the corner before I allow, you know, anything to disrupt what it, what God has called me to do. And so I tell people, always stand on your principles uh, and what you believe in. It's called the consequences of consciousness. And I'll just say this and then I'll shut up. But my first time I told you was 10, 10, 2010, 10 employees that started October 10, 10, 2010. 10 is very significant. It means see those enemies no more. That was when uh, the Israelites were released from Pharaoh's wife. had 10 plagues. 10 is very significant to me in numerology and the, in the Bible. And it was 10 years ago, the first time that I was on the stage as a hip hop politician, uh, September 23rd, 2012 in South Carolina. And so there's no mistake that this training is September 2022, 10 years. And it don't get no more mm -hmm. hip hop than Puff. So 10 years yeah. to the date. And why? How was it that that Saturday happened to fall on the 10th? September 10th, 2022, 10 years to the date. So I say that because you keep pushing. When everybody thought it was a game and a joke and mixing hip hop and politics and all of that, thought it was a game and thought it was a joke. I've said all these things, even in my poetry and, and uh, DNA Twisted. I said, forget five star. I'm a nine planet universal chick. A lot of people don't know what that means, but I'm a life path nine. So nines are very significant to me. It's about talking to every walk of life. Like you've mentioned a couple of times, that's actually my life path. And so it's no coincidence that it's in September, 10 years to the date. So we got work to do. This has been prophetic that I've been talking about for the last 10 years. So thank you for being a part of the journey with me, not just here on Straight Shot No Chaser, but also being a good supporter and ally and an elected person that doesn't mind stepping up to say, yeah, this is right. This is wrong. I agree or disagree because there's plenty of elected officials and people with high profiles that see my page but they're too scared to speak up. So we want to commend you uh, for that. I, I appreciate you. I'm a fan of yours once again. I uh, love, love the platform and I'll be, I'll continue to be a great listener All right, and, well. and engager. <laughs> oh yeah. Well, thank you so much. We appreciate you coming by again. Vice mayor running for mayor, November yeah. 3rd, 8th, 8th, yeah. 8th. Yeah. See, that's how those dates get thrown out. People get to the, again, local elections, mm -hmm. different date, November 8th this year, uh, if you're in the city, get out to vote. And if you're not in the city, uh, don't assume that you don't know somebody who is. We make that mistake, too. We think, oh, well, I don't know anybody. You don't know who you know. and You don't know who they know and who they know and who they know. So six degrees of separation is real. So 
uh, please do check it out. And also, if you live in a city, it's another thing we don't do. And they like your platform. You can duplicate that in your city. It's That's always right. something called presidents. So when you're able to show, hey, this worked here, look at that. And how can you implement that and partner with you to say, hey, I want to get that done in such and such city. How can we make that happen? We got to start thinking like that because the lobbyists definitely do. The white folks yeah. definitely do. And we have to get connected because it's not enough of us doing this work. So we have to figure out a way uh, to work together. Absolutely. All right. My thank pleasure you. to be on this platform. Thank you so much, Tesla. Thank you so much. All right, everybody. You've been listening to Straight Shot. No chaser. Download the podcast. Please do ask a friend. Subscribe. You don't have to listen every single week, but at least subscribe. So it will be downloaded uh, to uh, your app uh, to continue to support the Black Effect Podcast Network. As we talked about shortly uh, in the interview, if we are not supporting black p- platforms and they just simply won't exist. Bottom line, the numbers are the numbers. We have to have the numbers uh, in order uh, to uh, stay on the air. So thank you so much. Uh, for listening. Please do check this out. I wanted to bring on someone that was actually elected. So you can know I don't I don't hate all elected officials. It is some good ones <laughs> out there. So support uh Vice Mayor Gellin and what he's and all what he's trying to do. And stay tuned to next week. Every Thursday we drive straight shot no chaser with Tesla Figaro. Peace. If you like what you heard on Straight Shot No Chaser, please subscribe and drop a five-star review and tell a friend. Straight Shot No Chaser is a production of the Black Effect Podcast Network and iHeartRadio. I'm Tesla Figaro, and I'd like to thank our producer, editor, mixer, Dwayne Crawford, and our executive producer, Charlemagne the God. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 